We dropped the Tascam. Hey, res nerds. It's your beautiful liar, Shia. And your precious whore, Claire. Uh, just wanted to give you a quick heads up that uh, we kind of screwed this episode up a little bit. Well, so we decided this episode that we were going to do video in addition to audio. So we had it all rigged up and it was very crazy. And then sometime during Big Man with the Gun, I was dancing with the cat. We were having a good time. Things fell off the table and we lost the audio from the task cam. But have no fear, we did manage to salvage audio from the camera, which sounds okay. Yeah, it's um, just the music levels are a little too loud. But still, we're really proud of this episode. It's lots of fun. Uh, we're discussing Downward Spiral, of course, the mm-hmm. greatest Nine Inch Nails album of all time. Of all time. We also had our buddy Gareth Skype in all the way from... Salisbury! And uh, yeah, generally, fun was had by all. So yeah. um, tune in and enjoy yourselves. Enjoy yourselves. Uncovered primal hit at the recent Woodstock Festival. Their new album, The Downward Spiral, entered the Billboard chart at number two. And in his spare time, Reznor assembled the soundtrack for the Oliver Stone movie, Natural Born Killers. Now they're on the road. Juliet Honan lives to tell. And uh, you're listening to Trent Talk, your Halo by Halo guide to uh, America's greatest treasure. Trent Reznor. Sorry, I got thrown off by that voice. So today we will be discussing Halo 8, which is the, the Downward, Downward Spiral. And we have a guest. Oh, this is a special episode for many, many reasons, not the least of which is we are joined by our good friend Gareth from Yay! across the Atlantic, or so, whichever ocean that would be. <laughs> it's definitely the Atlantic. Yeah, All right. the Atlantic. Terrific. You'd have to go a long right. way if you went. You'd be going a, yeah, you'd be going a long way if you're <laughs> coming to Britain via the Pacific Ocean. And you've recently done a lot of traveling, yes? I have, yes. I've just returned from a month-long uh, trip to Australia. Australia. Uh, went to Melbourne and Tasmania. Yeah, and I'm just about over my jet lag. And it's nice to be back in sunny Salisbury. Sunny Salisbury. All right. Oh, if you're a Nin fanatic, <laughs> a.k.a. Resnerd, then this podcast should be a fun repository of inside jokes and references. But if you're a Nine Inch newbie, then tune in as Shia and I listen to the music of Nine Inch Nails Live and maybe learn a little something about ourselves on the way. Tremendous. I broke up the, the intro by accident. So this is a huge episode. Like, I Literally don't think huge. I, can, I don't think <laughs> I can overstate this enough. Like, this is the album where Trent Reznor became Trent Reznor. Mm-hmm. The, this is what everyone knows. It has two of the biggest songs he's ever done. And then, for me, many personal favorites. Mm-hmm. He took his production to a new level, instrumentally, vocally, thematically. It's fucking great! It's wonderful. I can't... I mean, it's okay. I like it. It's all right. Yeah. It's wonderful. It's okay. All right, should we dive in? Well, let's get a little background here. Gareth, uh, you had a lot of time to listen to Downward Spiral lately? Not as much as I would like. Um, I was trying to get another listening today, um, but I had an absolute ball ache of a journey home from, from London today. The trains were not playing pool. So uh, I got through some of it, and I have had a couple of listens recently, but... When I was trying to make my notes today, uh, it just didn't didn't work out for me. So I've got some bits of, and I have I have listened to it recently, but I'm not I'm not I'm not as prepared as I might have 
That's okay. You sound, no, you honestly sound like our target demographic. It's people <laughs> who are passingly familiar with Nine Inch Nails and would just love to hear more about them. So, um... Yeah, you, no. <laughs> so do you want to dive in, uh, kick off with Mr. Self-Destruct? Let's do it. Here we go. And as we all know, this album starts with uh, Trent Reznor beating up a dog in a basement. So, I mean, this track, it lays out the whole album. I mean, basically, it's it's a man tearing down everything in his life and sort of, like, stripping apart all these ideas of who he is and, and just sort of, like, ruthlessly analyzing them and figuring out, you know, who he is. Um, so, I mean, it talks about religion, it talks about, like, substance abuse and addiction, all stuff that Trent Reznor has been struggling with and thinking about from the very beginning, you know? Mm-hmm. The devil has wanted to fuck him in the back of his car since 1989. If not sooner. If not sooner. Apparently the song's title seems to be one of several references to soft stuff. Soft cell. They're the ones that did Tainted Love. Yes. Right. Yes. Which later on would be covered by Marilyn Manson. Oh my in, god. In a, in a much more popular version, I feel like. Uh, I wouldn't say that. Can you it hear us all right over the music, real quick? Quick, quick, quick. Yeah, I Terrific. I think we got we got these levels just where we want them. So I mean, to me, like this song is just it's it's an engine on overdrive. Just everything is is up to maximum. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's just like a bunch of a uh, bunch of sledgehammers falling on your head in sequence. It's mm-hmm. it's madness. And then it just has this madness. moment of clarity right here. Want to turn it up? Just lays out the whole album. I adore it. It's a real sort of state of intent for the rest of the album to come, I think. Yeah. You hear him whisper the words, you let me do this to you, I am an exit. Yeah, Claire is a super pro at all of Trent Reznor's sort of Easter egg vocals. Yeah. (laughs) There's a lot of them on this album where it's just like in either a really loud part, he'll whisper them, or in like the instrumental break, it'll just be... Yeah. In the background there. And it's some of his best lyrics. Some of them, yeah. Like, his, at his most poetic, he's just kind of, like, yeah. whispering far, far away. From <laughs> I know. Like, he doesn't want people to know what great... Uh, <laughs> oh, shit. Like, my really deep personal poetry from my notebook from when I was 12. <laughs> Trent Reznor is like an everyman, you know? Yeah. I mean, he comes from Middletown, America, and just wants to express himself. But yeah, he's still uh, maybe maybe a bit shy. Not reticent to share. Yeah. Wait, is reticent wanting to do something or not wanting to do something? Not wanting to do something. Not wanting to do something. So he's reticent to share. That is a word that I do not use often, if ever. Okay. It's a good word. <laughs> Yeah, so I think that's... Any other notes on this? Um, well, I mean, while it's playing. So this was in production since early 1993, back when Trent Reznor made that quick little segue from TV tunes to Interscope and then created his own vanity label, Nothing Records. And um, he was he, he felt like he was in a really tight spot because like he had made Broken, which wasn't an actual full release, and it was kind of a big fuck you to everyone he had been working with before. Um, so he felt a lot of pressure to just sort of get it done. But then eventually he brokered a deal and was just given lenience with time. And he just said, you know, 
figure it out. And he was in like this sweet spot of being able to do whatever he wanted. And as we know, he created Le Pig Music Recording Studio at the Sharon Tate House in Beverly Hills, California, which is like the coolest shit. I mean, it seems it seems a little bit hacky now, but no, that, it's cool. That's like a true original thing to do. It's insane. It is. I'm embarrassed to say you might know more about the town where I live than I do, but I, I think that happens a lot, you know, when you visit yeah. a place, you read up a lot on its history. Yeah, I don't know. Otherwise, it'd be interesting to you guys to maybe swing by. That's an idea. Um, a new house has been constructed on the site. Oh, nuts. And the street address has changed. Have they no respect for history? Oh, I think I think oh. is that is that another song I hear on the horizon? Yeah. Hey big piggy big 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 All of I'm shaking the entire time. I know, text. stop it. <laughs> oh, you mean you won't be able to do interpretive dancing? Oh no. This is a classic Trent Reznor, sort of like a... It, it builds, you know? Like, mm -hmm. one instrument at a time, it just sort of brings in layer after layer until it gets to that, like, that apocalyptic chorus. It's really good. I enjoy this song. It's, it, it, it's a live mainstay, as far as I know. He plays this all the time. Yeah, it is. And also, realizes. What do you got for us, Luke? Um... The lyrics, nothing can stop me now, repeat a right. lot. Yeah, this is this is almost like a Cliff's Notes, or like a Spark Notes. You know, like when, when you would try to avoid reading things for English class, you would just get all the... Like The Great Gatsby is about the green light or something. Yes. <laughs> As Trent Reznor is about to. Yeah. Well, it's just a nice Yeah. <laughs> all right. So maybe to break the ice here, I'd, I'd like to crack open maybe uh, my first impression. Oh yeah. Of the album. Okay. All right, all right, everybody, get ready. <clears throat> uh, hi, it's uh, Kermit the Frog here, uh, here to sing you a little song uh, about a pig. Uh, hey pig. Uh, hey pig, 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 pig. Um, nothing can stop me now. You just don't care anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, lost my shit because of you. It's Peggy. <laughs> All right, I tried. I should have. Oh, I wish I could retort. I don't. I don't know what Miss Piggy sounds like. <laughs> she's very hyper hyperbolic and. Oh, just, for me. Yeah, like that. She's very diva-ish. Yeah. But yeah, Kermit is uh, very very uh, abrupt, a uh, little rubbery. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what's weird about it is as I was trying to develop that masterful impression, it's a little bit like President Obama. <laughs> I just want to tell you about my goals today. <laughs> anyway, um... Oh my... So, uh, what, what's your take on Piggy, Garrett? Uh, I like it, yeah, it's one of, probably one of my favorite tracks on the album, I think. Um, I just like you're saying about how it's kind of softly built. I really like the sort of the layers coming in as it goes through. Yeah, it's good one. Mm -hmm. And yeah, like, there's this ridiculous drum breakdown happening right now. 
Yes. Like, the drums have played more and more of an important role in the rest of the album. This is just nothing. It's just the juice of nothing. Um, so, according to Ninwiki, according to the filter biography, <laughs> um, <laughs> the official filter biography. Oh my god. Former live guitarist Richard Patrick, who we've never mentioned before, no. uh, reportedly received the nickname Piggy while in Nine Inch Nails. They, they hated that guy. <laughs> um, as well, Piggies is a song by the Beatles, a noted influence on Wait. Charles Manson, who scrawled the word pig in blood Wait. on the front door of the Sharon Tate Manson mansion. Charles Manson spread that blood? I don't think he was there. Allegedly, he spread that blood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the only thing that they wound up busting Marilyn Manson, the only thing they ended up busted, busting uh, Charles Manson for was like there was some report of him like stabbing a guy with a samurai sword, and when like a cop broke into his house or something. Oh my god! But like any of the actual murders, Charles Manson, you can pin them on him. He just sort of. Oh, oh, well, we should move on. Oh wait, there's more. We can throw a little pause on this. Oh god, this I well, love this album. I feel like we just have to move forward. Must we? Time. Alright. Here we are on Harris's. One of the many times on this album, Brad Reznor sings it to a band. Uh, talk when I don't turn the volume up. <laughs> All right. Um, this is a song that I skip every time. Really? You're I've heard a it a lot. I've just heard it too much. I, it's a good song though. But I like it a lot. Oh, I, you know what? Really I should have like done a. I should have practiced like a Nietzsche. Oh, only someone else would thought of an impression. Oh. <laughs> My goal was to have an impression for every song, but I, I got like four, maybe, maybe five, pushing it. Um, I guess now that I've mentioned it, I have no choice but to do it. All right. Um, you guys are aware of uh, the show Cosmos? Yeah. Are you aware of the, the astrophysicist? Uh, just one of the many miracles of the cosmos. God is dead, and no one cares. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I wanted to research more quotes by him. Uh, I'll bring it back later. Yeah, we can. Which is funny because doing, learning that voice is a little bit like Kermit. <laughs> Maybe all my voices are Kermit. Maybe. Maybe you're fooling yourself into thinking that all of your voices are not Goal has been pulled down. <laughs> I mean, the, the green felt. The green felt. Um, so notably, uh, in an interview with You Magazine, published April 1994, Reznor spoke about the meaning behind the lyrics of this song. He said, I was trying to explore some of the paranoia I have as a sexually active person in the age of eight. Oh my god. I guess I feel cheated for not growing up in a more liberated area, era. At the same time, what gets me mad is the way the, the right wing has used the convenience of this epidemic in helping to promote their own agenda. Oh my god. I had no idea. Yeah, I had no he idea. He's a culturally illiterate person. <laughs> Gareth, did you know? 
<laughs> so did did the UK where you live? I don't know if we mentioned that. Oh, yeah. Uh, did they have like a did they have like a, a period where people were finally starting to realize that AIDS existed? Like, did you have a Magic Johnson? Um, I'm not sure what, uh, what the kind of cultural touchstone is when it comes to all the AIDS epidemic. But yeah. you ha- you have AIDS there. Um, <laughs> yeah. Are there AIDS? It does, it does exist there. Yeah. It's <laughs> uh, like. I don't know really. Like, uh, yeah, it's definitely in the public consciousness. But yeah, I don't think we have that. There wasn't like a moment. Uh, do you do you have? I mean, the NHS probably softened the blow, right? Because like any treatments that were available probably weren't getting tied up by our evangelical Christian uh, voting bloc. Yeah. That's how life is, man. You gotta sort of like look backward as soon as you actually develop consciousness as an adult. You know? Yeah. I don't really even have much of a a recollection, I guess. I guess I just kind of always knew that it was a thing growing up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Maybe um, with What was that? With <laughs> Sorry, you got out. you broke up a little bit there. Freddie Mercury died of was that? I, I, I believe it was the gay cancer. Yeah, yeah. that would be that would be uh like big. Like, oh shit, hey. Oh yeah. Yeah, the, sh- the show must go on. One of his most heartbreaking performances. Mm-hmm. Oh, Freddie. Yeah, Freddie. Gone too soon. I mean, yeah, the brightest uh, burnout, the fastest. I mean. I mean, except LEDs. <laughs> <laughs> LEDs. Do not burn out. I mean, yeah, maybe that's what we've been waiting on. That's going to fix this trend. Yeah. So uh, we were listening to Heresy when uh, when we took a quick break there. Uh, If you recall, the chorus is, Your God is dead and no one cares. If there is a hell, I will see you there. Mm Mm-hmm. And what I love about that is it's like, it's exactly what every Christian mother imagines rock music to, to sound like. <laughs> like, that is the specific thing that they are afraid is being said over and over and over again. Like, any, any music that is not, like, Eric Clapton um, to them would sound this way. Yep. I feel like that is how they picture rock music. Yeah. In general. Yeah. And that's, that's what's interesting is, like, it's kind of aberrant for Trent Reznor for him to just sort of, like, be... As to- like this album, he, he just fucking says what he's thinking. Like mm-hmm. there's there's not like in a few songs, there's like no filter. There's like no layer of of metaphor or anything. He's just like straight up telling you, you're God's dead. Yeah, <laughs> and like no one no one cares. But if there is a hell, which there's, what's that? Someone needs to tell you guys that God's dead. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's like the, is that the national religion over there? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like, uh, the religious right over here is just not that powerful compared to for you guys. It's, uh, we've got it pretty easy over here. Yeah. Like, there's no, there's no sort of, uh, Christians sort of shutting things down. God it damn. just let us get on with it. 
Yeah, it's crazy here. It's, 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 it's not cool. It's not cool. I don't know if you've been following uh, the presidential nomination process here, but it's looking real bad. <laughs> oh, I, I have. I, I've sort of. Um, it's, it's interesting because I don't think in the U.S. you guys would follow our politics that closely. Only but... when, only when there's a royal baby. I know. Yeah. I know. There's a, there's a dude named Cameron who's like a privileged elite guy and is sort of out of touch with the mainstream. Is that about yeah, he's, he's the absolute worst. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, so, but, um, okay, I'm just in your election quite a lot. So, you know, most people on the street would have a good idea about Donald Trump and what he's up to. I feel like there could be a nice, like, just... Benny Hill, that's the name, Benny Hill. Like a, a montage of him. Like a montage of just like Donald Trump running amok. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's more, there's more at stake for a British person to know what's going on in United States politics because like yeah, they, they need to know what war we're going to drag them into next. Yep. I mean, you guys are you guys you guys aren't leading the charge exactly on that. That's 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 on us. That is on us. <laughs> no, no should we. Yeah, and, uh, allow me to be the first to apologize. I don't know what happened. I, I don't know how we ended up in Iraq. We did not Why? Okay, this is a nine inch nails podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so let's move on. Your god is dead. Um, uh, can I do a little more Carl Sagan? Yes. Uh, if there is a hell, I will see you there. <laughs> okay. All right, we can. All right, we can move on. Uh, yeah, I, I do have a quick sort of little thought on heresy. Okay. Yes. Um, with the sort of the sampling of the sort of the marching kind of sound in there. Oh. Um, I th- it sounds like it's kind of a sample of some marching anyway. It kind of makes me think of video game music. Like, I could picture it. Where it? I thought you'd like this. I could really picture it. I can picture it as part of the, like, a Command and Conquer. Yeah, that is exactly what that is. Oh, shit. Yeah, dude. Oh, that man. was, like, my immediate thought. I was like, oh, yeah, I could just imagine sending my, sort of, Soviet troops into battle. Or Nod. Yeah, yeah, the Legion of Nod. Oh, fuck. That's exactly what it is, dude. Oh, my God. Is this an episode of I Love Gaming? <laughs> Great up. Good job, fellas. Good job. All right, so now we're coming back to very familiar territory. It's MOTP. MOTP. Mop. interpretive dances every, every time once you listen to that and every time Blair is like locked in a permanent eye roll as, <laughs> as, as I'm doing it I'm just I'm like, like surprised your eyes are done yeah, stop right up not bad <laughs> oh my god come on it's not even a good one Discredit. I can't do a dance move for discredit, I don't think. Can't um, But yeah, this is, again, I think an, another thesis statement for the album where, like, he's just going to destroy everything. Mm-hmm. But what's weird about it is, like, I tried to figure this out. Pigs kind of have a mixed track record, right? Like, sometimes they win, and sometimes they get what they deserve. Yeah. Thoughts? First of all, what are the pigs? And why are the pigs? 
we are the pigs. We we are the pigs. Yeah. So we're like you mean consumerist American yeah. civilians. Yeah. We are the pigs, and yeah. Okay. We're just. I'm trying not. I'm trying to like pull words out of my head that are not lyrics of this song, but the whole. I think the whole idea is just like we as a society just like are herded mm. into all of these lies. Lies. <laughs> Everyone other than trans. Yeah, it, it is. This yeah, this uh, no, album is kind of Trent versus the world. And I think he's also a pig. I think it comes from an inside place. Yeah. So his pigs are the pigs are also like the demons, or like I think it's the pigs are like his um, his learned social behavior and like his his desire to sort of like play by the rules of society. You know that impulse everyone has to sort of be a conformist and fit in, right? Mm-hmm. Because the pigs are all lined up, they're all committed to order. You yeah. Know? But he's he wants to smash it up. He wants to something else I can't understand. Yeah. <laughs> Break it up, smash it up. Smash it up. Like I don't like when he says, "I give you all that you want." I don't think he's talking about himself. I he's think feeding it's like the pigs. The, no, not him. Oh. Like the 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 entity that is in charge of us, the pigs. And it's just like, here, doesn't it make you feel better? We give you everything you need. You're good. You're fine. What's that but movie? But we're not fine. It's so, all lies. Do you know the movie Snatch, Gareth? Yes. And there's a never trust a man with a, a hog farm? Mm-hmm. Uh, who is that? Bricktop? Is that that guy's name? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I haven't seen it in so long. Should we pull? Uh, we don't have to. It's it's just an aside. It was a British thing that involved pigs and society. It also, it also society. makes me think, yeah, Deadwood and Wu and uh, his his pigs. Deadwood! We got a Deadwood reference in here! Oh my I'm god. Just, I'm just totally pandering to you today. So yeah, I mean... Video games, Deadwood. <laughs> I'm just angling to come back on the podcast. The right. you, you, would be, you would be welcome to. <laughs> angling to get back on. Yeah, well done. Wow. So, okay, do we think sort of um, Trent sort of projecting how he feels about himself, like the pigs are how he feels about himself, he's projecting that onto other people, or does he legitimately feel that that's how people are? I mean, he talks about conformity in like a lot of his, like especially like Year Zero or The Hand That Feeds. Mm-hmm. Like he talks about like yeah, people are just they. It, and Survivalism. This, this goes all the way back to what I was saying about Broken, where like uh, politics. And the political life is sort of a, a or an S and M relationship, you know, like between you and your employer, or between you and like the the powers that be. It's like it, there's sort of like a, a joy or an ecstasy in sort of like giving up your independence, and it's just like, oh, I don't have to think for myself anymore. What a fucking relief, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. But what he's doing is sort of like channeling all that angst and fear into into his music and into his into this rebellion, which is a harder and perhaps more noble thing to do. Yes. Essentially, Did, yeah. I forgot what the question was. Okay, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Shall we? Yeah, where are we right now? We just lined up the pigs. Yep. And now we're going to get closer. <gasps> it's happening. This is the song that everybody thinks is called I Want to Fuck You Like an Animal. <laughs> this song is like going home. It really is. Let's just get 
achievement it really is like it's funny because it's it's been so overplayed mm. oh dreadfully people are so sick of it but if you just take a couple years off and revisit it it really is just like a perfect song yeah yeah I mean and it, he, his pop sensibilities are in there because he wanted to make this more of an accessible sound than, than a lot of other industrial music that's in there but there, he's like right on the line because like there's all these breaks like it has sort of a different structure than a lot of other songs and yeah the chorus is like it, it could not be played on the radio right. I wanna f- you like an animal like this so he was riding the line, and I feel like that this struck the perfect balance between like all these really intense, dark themes, and yet like listenability and, and sort of like song, you know, verse, chorus, verse, chorus. You know? There's a lot of nuance. Yeah. Go try like, a little more. Yeah. Probably sitting on my living room floor watching MTV. Oh, really? MTV? Yeah. Yeah, I think I got my hands on the actual album, which of course was like burned on a CDR with like Sharpie Mark around it. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I put it on my little CD player and I had my little ear headphones were hooked over the ear. And the first time I heard it, I like almost had to turn it off. Like, no. Yeah. <laughs> I just remember like this video being on TV and I was just like sitting in front of it, just like. I don't know what I'm watching, but I love it. Do you want to discuss the video where after the song's done? I mean, we can discuss it. Yeah. So, Gareth, when did you first become aware of the music of Nine Inch Nails? <laughs> I think the clearest memory I have of hearing them was being about 16 or 17 and being at a nightclub. Oh, nice. A uh, nightclub. Um, in um, a place called Southampton, so it's like the nearest city to, you know, real city to where I live. And I went to college near there, and um, so I sort of borrowed a friend's ID that who I looked a little bit like and had a similar name to. And well done. Got into this alternative sort of seedy, sticky, horrible nightclub, and I just have these super strong associations of just dancing to this track at like age 16, 17, and drinking way too much Jack Daniels and Coke. <laughs> That's amazing, because, like, yeah, this song is kind of how, like, it, it paints a whole picture, you know? Like, yeah. this is this is how you envision sort of, like, you know, grown-up or, like, goth culture, you know, where, like, this is what people do behind the scenes. Yeah, um, there was a, there used to be a nightclub in Madison called The Inferno. And was it, it was gay, right? No, it was, it was a, just a, no. I don't think there's a straight Inferno. <laughs> okay, go on. <laughs> 
This is me stepping on Claire's storytelling again. Every time, it's fine. I'm sorry. You're not sorry, you're gonna do it every time. I'm not gonna. So there, there used to be a nightclub in Madison called Inferno, and um, they would host events first Saturday of every month called Leather and Lace, and you had to show up in some kind of leather or lace or sexy fetish type gear. And this this was like, it was like this, Massive Attack, Joy Division, KMFDM, just the whole spectrum of gothy goodness. Mm. Lots of Molly has been in my body, inside of the Inferno. <laughs> I'd love to hear much more about that. Yeah. <laughs> Off air. Um, so, yeah, the only Trent Reznor song I've actually heard played in a nightclub or like a goth S&M situation was at Death Guild in San Francisco, um, and it was I'm Afraid of Americans Yeah. with, uh, with David Bowie. Quick Bowie minute. Um, one of Trent Reznor's primary influences on creating this album was actually David Bowie's Low, which came out in 1977, but it had sort of this electronic sound to it and an atmosphere that really attracted Trent and sort of hooked him in right away. Mm -hmm. So a lot of his songwriting is actually informed by Mr. Bowie. Oh my god. Terrific. And I'm just gonna... Well... I don't want to let the song completely end because I feel like there's still a lot to talk about. Oh yeah, we could we could spend the rest of the episode talking about this. I'm just gonna let it repeat really quick while we go into a little bit more. Um, let's see. The drum track features a heavily modified bass drum sample from the Iggy Pop song "Night Clubbing." Oh no shit! I did not know that. Yeah, that's news to me too. Uh, right. And then, lyrically closer is a meditation on self-hatred and obsession. Um, but of course, it's it was misinterpreted as lust and everything because of the whole fucking thing. So when he said, I want to fuck you like an animal, what he meant to say was... Was what? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. So the music video... I think it's just like one of the most important music videos of all time. Like, it's, I feel like regardless of your feelings of the song, you just have to watch the music video. Um, it was directed by Mark Romanek. And let's see, it was cut down from its original length, but now there's a director's cut out there. The video shows events in what appears to be a 19th century style mad scientist laboratory and deals with religion, sexuality, animal cruelty, politics, and terror. Terror. Its imagery was controversial and included a heart connected to some sort of device, the beat of the heart corresponding with the beat of the song, which I feel like was like the thing that really like entranced me. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. The first time I saw it, it's because it's like the heart beats and expands, and then there's like a little steam valve that goes. Yeah. Psh, yeah. Psh. A nude bald woman with a crucifix mask. Uh -huh. A monkey tied to a cross. A severed pig. Oh, I love the severed pig. I loved head. it too. It was really funny. A yeah, diagram of the vagina. I mean, there's. You can tell, like, Trent was having so much fun. And the director of the video, of course, yeah. was having so much fun stringing together all these absurd images. And he. You see him wearing an SM mask, leather gloves, swinging shackles. Um, seated in front of a wall in fetish gear wearing a ball gag the whole thing where he like you see like the silhouette of him like licking the microphone oh yeah that's, <gasps> good. that's a good I one I can't get that image out of my head just, just, just me or does that mic 
again, I just rewatched the video today. The microphone looks like boobs. Yeah, like it definitely looks like a nipple. It looked a does. bit like a boob. Bit like a boob. Looked a bit like a boob. My favorite thing is when he has the goggles and then just yeah, is, is, yeah. is a dog hanging his head out the window of a car. I feel like, yeah, it's just so good. I'm definitely gonna put the video up on the car. They didn't mention like the weird, like, surreal, like, black dude wearing a top hat with like, what is it, like a pigeon on a plate or something? Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's like, that's like straight up like Salvador Dali, you just like, just absurd things strung together to sort of like confuse you and put you in that state, you know? Yeah. Very interesting. It's good stuff, man. And yeah, like, I can't not picture that beating heart. Like, yeah. The- one of the things that I, like one of my little hidden secrets about Closer is the fact that my favorite night, like of all the Nine Inch Nails lyrics, my favorite Nine Inch Nails lyrics are written Closer. Yeah, that's, it's another one of those Easter egg lyrics, which are, is it happening now? I think so. Yeah, it's in the middle of the bridge. Some of the time, but not every time. Um, but the lyrics are Through every forest above the trees, within my stomach, scraped off my knees, I drink the honey inside your hive. You are the reason I stay alive. Is that incredible? Or like, what? what the fuck? Yeah, I mean, yeah. He's, he's singing about, I want to fuck you like an animal, and then suddenly he takes you to a forest. <laughs> like, it's... Yeah, Please like, specify which kind of animal. Claire let me in on that little tidbit yesterday, and I'm still processing it. And your love of bees has nothing to do with it. My love of bees has nothing to do with it, I don't think. Unless it's like a subconscious thing. Well, you do literally have bees tattooed on you. I do have bees tattooed on my knees. You're the reason I stay alive. <laughs> the face you made. Gareth, did you have anything? Yeah, um, I noticed in the video, for a couple of frames, he holds up a shell. It's like one of those golden ratio mm-hmm. shells. So it's effectively a perfect spiral. Oh! Yeah. I mean, that the, was my, that's where my brain went. So I think the single for Closer also has like a centipede, right? No, I think it's a millipede. It would be a millipede. It's a millipede. Yeah. Which are like more poisonous, right? Uh, depending on the centipede or millipede, they're all, it varies. But it's a spiral that could take you down. It is a spiral that could take you down. Yeah, it's a millipede. Mm-hmm. Good note. Good, good note. Good true. Um... Oh, was there um, an, an, uh, an impression I could maybe pimp out of you? <laughs> okay, so last night in the car when we had been drinking, I just want to make it clear that I was She there. had been drinking, I was driving. <laughs> That's true. You guys drinking, now I've had everything. I have, I was drinking, Shia was being good. And, um... Oh yeah, I forgot that I let just put it on repeat. We're just gonna have closer play like two and a half times through this podcast. Um, he thought it would be funny if I did an impression of doing. 
<laughs> I'm doing an Nine Inch Nails song as Alanis Morissette. Why? Like, why did that even come up? Because, because you ought to know. Yeah. So, the only thing I could think of that he thinks is funny and I think is terrible <clears throat> is... <laughs> Do you know? Do you know what you ought to know, Gareth? Are you an Alanis? Okay. So like one of her first, one of her first singles was you, you ought to know. But I guess so. Alanis doing Nine Inch Nails would be you, you, you bring me closer to God. You were so close. So bad. You were so close to actually landing an impression. It's so bad. I don't like yodeling. Like, I don't like Canadian. How do you think she would sing the rest Canadian. of the lyrics? What would that sound like? Maybe? I can't. You can do it. I can't even think of how the song goes now. To remind you. Oh, yeah. I'm the mess you left. I think this is oh, your away. <laughs> you. Ooh. On, I guess that's kind of cranberries-ish. I can't, I don't know. Can you do it as Sinead O'Connor? Nothing compares to you? Does she have another song? What are you thinking? Isn't that cranberries? Cranberries is not Sinead O'Connor. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, man, but like, I guess 90s, uh... Cranberries is like, zombie. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do it. I hate it. I'll think of a better impression. I mean, I've, I've been wiping the floor with you, man. Like, I've, I've racked up, like, how many You're the person now? who does impressions. I don't do impressions. That's not the kind of comedy that I strive. Push your limits. Push your limits. Worry about yourself. <laughs> Worry about yourself. We got any more notes on Closer? Closer. Oh, right. Um, so yeah, this album and this single in particular, they they were like immediate smash hits. Like everyone recognized that this was like kind of a breakthrough creatively. Um, it was released in on March 8th, 1994 to instant success. It debuted the following week at number two at the U.S. Billboard 200 chart. Um, American grunge band Soundgarden took the top place with Super Unknown, which I guess is okay, but all in all, I would hold this up as a better album. This is definitely a better um, album. And I love Soundgarden, but this is definitely a better album. And in 98, the RIAA certified the album a quadruple platinum. Quad plat. That's, uh, Ooh, that's I want, do you get four platinum records? Like, at a certain point, like, do you have so many platinum records that you just, like, use them as, as like, plateware? Well, you, they frame them and hang them up on the wall. Haven't you ever seen Cribs? Yeah, I've seen, oh I've, I've seen that. Um, and uh, just to keep it, ex just to uh, put it in numbers that are maybe more relevant to our friend Gareth, it, uh, it peaked at number nine at UK album charts, and the British phonographic industry, is that the RIAA, I guess, over there? No, it's our equivalent, yeah. Okay. But is it run by the government? Uh, I'm like a quasi governmental thing, like it's neither here nor there, maybe. And so they, it, I guess it's certified gold in the UK, which is over 100,000 copies. Ew. Which is a, a sizable slice of the population, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty good. <laughs> also, this song appeared in the movie Seven. Oh, it did? I don't remember it. Was I there guess. a nightclub scene? 
There may have been. I've seen Seven a few times and I just don't remember. It also appeared in the movie The Hitcher, which I have not seen, but I have heard that that was a fact. And in Guitar Hero Warriors of Rock and Rock Band 3, it is available for download. Yeah, I think you're actually talking to us on your, your rock band microphone, is that right? Yeah. Yep. That is true. Propped up by Roller Skate. I didn't have anything better microphone-wise in the house, so I just uh, shoved it in the old USB slot, and uh, here we are. And here we are. It's pro- propped up on some uh, roller skate wheels as well. <laughs> I don't have a microphone yet. <laughs> is it giving you, like, a live uh, criticism of how well you're, you're like, singing to the song? It's like, great! Okay! Yeah. <laughs> it's crowd, crowd's booing at me right now. <laughs> <laughs> Who comes to a concert just to boo? That's, like, right? that's the most unrealistic part of that game. All right. I agree, but let's move on. Yes. Hey, Resnerds. Want to listen to something a little less angsty? Check out this podcast from the Benview Network. I'm Aaron Prince-Staley, host of the Podcast Preview, where every week I bring you a new comedy podcast that you are going to love, with highlight clips and interviews with the show's hosts. Check out the Podcast Preview at BenviewNetwork.com, on your favorite podcast app, or live on the radio at WERA.FM. I'll see you there. So we've got another song coming our way. We've al- almost What is that song called, Claire? That song is called Ruiner. Starts off with kind of a pretty good machine beat. This one to me is kind of a big switch because it starts off way down here. Blink-182 is the band that has the two vocalists, 
one? This isn't, I missed it. Okay. This isn't the, where are you? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> it's not that one. Yes, absolutely is. I didn't know that. Well, yeah, it, it's like they're describing their two different days, Paul and John, right? And Paul is sort of like, sort of like, I relate to his life a little bit more because you wake up, you fall out of bed, drank a comb across your head, went downstairs and drank a cup, um, looked at the clock and noticed you were late, uh, got your coat and your hat, caught the bus seconds flat. And then it goes, wow, 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 wow. And then you're in John's world, and he's singing about, he's read the news today, oh boy. Something, 40 holes in something, Lancashire. Blackburn, Blackburn Lancashire. Blackburn, Lancashire. I read the news today, oh my. Oh, that does sound familiar. I don't listen to the Beatles. Claire's not a, a huge Beatle maniac. No. I used to hate them. I used to like straight up be like, I hate the Beatles, and I've, I've, I don't hate the Beatles anymore. But I just literally never want to listen to them. Well, I mean, they made twelve albums. There's something in there you like. There may be. Um, let's see if there's. I like I like weird Beatles. You know, I like the stuff like Because or Tomorrow Never Knows. It's like the just the far like when they started really pushing the boundaries a little bit. Mm-hmm. I really like um, Hey Bulldog is on the Yellow Submarine soundtrack album. <laughs> of course. So it's not an especially well known one, but it's, it's a fair favorite. Hmm. They did so many strange side projects in like the 70s. Like, do you know the movie The Point? No, I don't know. So it's like, it's an animated feature where there's this world where everything has a point, like literally a pointy part of it. Yeah. And then there's a, a young man who is born without a point, and he's wondering where his point is. Um, yeah. And the point of me telling you this is that it's all narrated by Ringo Starr. Um, so that was, that was maybe his... My, my introduction to Ringo Starr was his narration to Thomas Tank Oh, he does? Oh my god. Is there a yes. UK version of that versus the American version? I'm not sure, but certainly the UK version is narrated by Ringo. That's amazing. The, by the early set. And um, I, had, I had the Yellow Submarine Beatles film on VHS as a kid. So we, ha- we read it from Blockbuster. And um, when it was time to go back, I loved it so much. I did the old switcheroo and put a different cassette in. <laughs> and gave it to my dad's tape back. And so to this day, I've still got this brand uh, VHS sitting up somewhere that's totally worn out because I've just watched it a million times. <laughs> Yeah, my parents were actually huge Beatle maniacs. Well, my mom much more so. Like she was, she was actually like, um, I guess a little too old to be like a proper like teeny bopper back in the day, back in the '60s. But like she was in love with like Davy Jones from the Monkees, mm-hmm. and then yeah, like was all about Beatles when they were a big deal. Uh, so I naturally sort of osmosis that music. In yeah, the repertoire. I um. I watched The Monkees on Monday nights with my mom on Nick at Night, and I loved it so much. I spent a good portion of my childhood absolutely loving The Monkees. 
So when she was like, oh, you love the monkeys, you'll probably like the Beatles. And I, I listened to it and I was like, this is boring. I want the monkeys back. You know what? I'll tell you something about the monkeys though. They monkey around. Well, people say that. <laughs> I just said it. Hey man, they're too busy singing to put anybody down. Oh yep. man, I just remember that Davy that, Which Jones is funny is because dead. that's almost like a diss track. It's like, yo, people say we monkey around, but I'm too busy with all this cheddar to put anybody down. Because like they're thre they're threatening to put you down, but it's like I don't. You're not even worth my time. No, they're not. That's what isn't that what that means? No, they're not. They're just talking about how fun they are. Hey, hey, we're the monkeys. So were they a band before they had a TV deal? They were not. They were a TV deal, <laughs> and then they learned how to play the instruments. <laughs> they were not a band. They could not be a band. And they just were kind of like, we'll figure it out. And then they went live, and they learned how to they learned how to play really well. They fucking killed it. Um, and I had like I just remember that David Jones said that they really said two David Joneses dead. Uh... <laughs> um, so apparently the bridge of the song Ruiner, the thing that we're actually this, this supposed year. to be talking about, um, features a rare guitar solo, and in an April 1994 issue of Guitar World, he was asked about it, and they're like, how did you, how did you get that really nasty, ultra-quantized? Quantized, yes. Yeah, sound. He's like, ah, yes, the great Pink Floyd-esque 70s-sounding section of the song. That's just a preset on the Zoom. I think I accidentally called up the wrong patch. I'm not a soloist. I was just laughing when I real er, laughing when I was playing with this ridiculous sound, recording into the computer, saying, like, this is so cheesy. Yeah. Oh, wait, is this it right here? Is this yeah, the guitar this solo? Is it. What I like about it is uh, that bass line. I'm pretty sure that's from Skinner's Simple Man. A simple kind of man. Meow. So what are, we right. what are we listening to now, Claire? Now we are going to listen to the song called The Becoming. much of a departure this is from his earlier work. I mean, it still has sort of those weird scream loops that he was that he would use back in the earlier days. Sort of sort of a white zombie touch there. Um, but yeah, like this, it's like a totally new sound. Mm -hmm. He's doing different things with his voice there as well. Yeah. He found a middle ground between like screaming and whispering. And apparently, the screams are taken from the film Robot Drops. <laughs> okay. <laughs> robot. Can you get to the IMDb page? Can we read? I need to know what the tagline for robot jocks is. They're robots. They're jocks. 
in a post world. Whoa. <laughs> in a, oh, it is post World War Three. War is outlawed. In its place are march matches between large robots called robot jocks. Wow. These matches take place between two large superpowers or disputed territories. The main character, Achilles, is a pilot in one of the large robots. The plot revolves around him and a match for the state of Alaska. <laughs> we gotta keep that one, man. We barely conned the reference out of that back in the day. You need to find the trailer for that on the website. Definitely gonna, yeah. No, I think I wanna, that's. I want to see this. I think that's the film that like my my nerdy older brother like legitimately enjoys and will watch now and again. I like that. Um, when I was originally trying to read the word matches, my brain went marches because. There's a bit of that. Well, there's march of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think there's anything. Kind of reminded to... me of Mech Warrior. It sounded a lot like Mech Warrior. It is the future. War is outlawed. I don't think there's anything really notable to be said about this song. So if you wanted to read a quote, sure. Yeah, from me, louder than hell. Yeah, let me jump into one of our literary sources. Um, Trent Reznor in an interview said, uh, "Going into the downward spiral, the safest thing I could have done was make another broken that was tough and mean and could show everybody how many great metal riffs I can write. Would have been the least artistically challenging thing. So I wasn't going to do that." I started the downward spiral on guitar, but ended up using a lot of computer instead of guitar to write because it was a lot more inspiring to me. I was also trying to make a record that was fairly bright. Oh shit, we did this on the last episode, didn't we? I read this exact paragraph. <laughs> uh, I was wondering why all those words sounded so familiar. Alright, well, uh, it, it's worth repeating. Oh wow, the next page talks about the Beastie Boys. That's hilarious. Anyway, so yeah, like you can tell that Trent Reznor was sort of like going for a much bigger set of ideas and influences here. Yeah. And yeah, like this chaotic breakdown is kind of a year zero. Do you know year zero? Mm-hmm. You, I just remember you were saying earlier, like, um, for this album we had like a bit more sort of space and time to kind of make it. So do you think that has something to do with the years being a bit bigger and, you know, there was no, you know, gun to his head like there was a broken that he he could just kind of take up and it, yeah I, I feel like that comes across on this because there's so much more going on mm-hmm. absolutely yeah I mean he, he had it all the time in the world to sort of get this right you know and um yeah, like, these, all these songs sound a little bit more like completed products. Because, like, some of the stuff on Broken, especially Fixed, was just sort of like, yeah, Like, what ended up on the cutting room floor, and then they just threw it together into, like, what seemed like a song. But, yeah, this sort of seems like, yeah, he had time to sort of, like, figure out what he's saying in each thing. Yeah. I mean, it's this is almost a perfect album. I, it's, it's, it's like the closest thing to a perfect album. It's definitely at the top of the list for me, with the exception of, like, one song. So do you want to take a second to talk about uh, Trent Reznor's drug use? Do you? Um, yeah, I was looking up to figure out, like, so everyone, like, I, I guess, like, the word on the street, like, common knowledge about the downward spiral is this album was written sort of in the depths of his struggles with opiates, you know, he was supposedly banging heroin all the time, and, like, his a lot of these songs sort of, like, have, you know, 
all these uh, meditations on like dependence and, and addiction and loss of control. So it sort of seems like that's what he was drawing on. But in like so many interviews, he says like, no, I don't do a lot of drugs, which is either exactly what an addict would say, yeah. or maybe he was actually cleaner than we expect. Well, let me see. Let's get when to the bottom did... of this. So this is jumping ahead, but when they were when he and Bowie were doing I'm Afraid of Americans, mm-hmm. there like Trent does talk about how he was he's embarrassed looking back at that because he was at his lowest, kind of most strung out. Oh wow. During that time, so that was 1997. I see. So I mean, maybe he was getting into it here, but I guess I don't know. I don't know like exactly when or what. I think a lot of it, a lot of it might even be assumption. All right, I'm just gonna straight up Google Trent Reznor heroin. <laughs> <laughs> That'll work. Do you have anything, Gareth? Oh my God! Oh, this is touching. I'm sorry. It does sound a little bit like um, the parallels with Lowe. There, you know, like the sort of struggles with addiction. Because wasn't sort of uh, Bowie was in Berlin at that point, and sort of was he trying to kick the stuff? Yeah, like actually, he says. Uh, so I guess in '97, when he was uh, working together with Bowie, he said David Bowie um, wanted to help him to overcome his addiction. He said, mm-hmm. "quote He'd give me kind of shamanish advice." Reznor said of turning to the thin white Duke for help in the, his darkest days of addiction. So um, I think, yeah, like I think it was probably the period between Downward Spiral and Fragile where he sort of like, you know, got hit with writer's block and as artists sometimes do, they uh, turn to substances to see if they can sort of get the gears turning up there. Yeah, that could have something to do with why he hates the perfect drug. Oh, Jesus. Um, so yeah, Reznor reflected on his, the troublesome period around Nin's classic 1994 album, The Downward Spiral. He felt like he had an unending, bottomless pit of rage and self-loathing inside him. Um, so eventually other things took over, drugs and alcohol. He made a fail, failed attempt at rehab and ultimately overdosed on China white heroin, which he mistook for cocaine. Yep, that China girl. And that was in 2000, actually, he, uh, he OD'd. Oh wow! He was so he was so deep in the throes of addiction that it was shitty, but it didn't seem that much shittier than a lot of other things, other surprises that kept happening. You tend to accumulate dramatic bad things when you're in that place. My house got broken into. How did that happen to me? My car got stolen. Oh, I woke up in a hospital. Doesn't sound that out of the ordinary when everything is shitty. So I think yeah, from the from about you know 1994 to 2000, he was not handling stardom terrifically well. Mm-hmm. When did the fragile come out? 99. So yeah, he had like a five-year period where he was like trying to to come up with something that could possibly approach the greatness. I mean, I'm sure it took a long time to write fragile. Yeah, his most personal album, a double album. Yeah. It is. Yep. So maybe I would say between like the perfect drug and probably. I think as well when you're kind of uh, successful and you're uh, sort of given those kind of creative freedoms, you can take as long as you like to make your next album. You know, without having that sort of uh, deadline looming over you that you maybe have uh, when you're not quite a success, mm-hmm. you can just kind of 
take your time and maybe it doesn't come out as well, you know. So I don't know if maybe that had something to sort of do with why, you know, the, the long sort of uh, layoff between Downward Spiral and Fragile maybe that he could just kind of take his sweet time. There was no one uh, pressuring him. Yeah. And and again, yeah, like I think any artist is their own toughest critic. And after you mm-hmm. after you realize, like after he released an album that immediately went like quadruple platinum, like how do you follow that up at all? The pressure must have been insane. Mm-hmm. All right, hang on, I'm gonna find out if Bjork ever struggled with heroin. <laughs> I don't think she would have. Bjork drug use. Is this an ep- is this a moment of uh, you know what? Compared to Bjork. Um, actually, here we go. This is, I think, one of the, the greatest differences between the musical careers of Trent Reznor and Bjork. Um, she says, drugs aren't for me. Icelandic pop star Bjork refuses to take illegal substances. I mean, I guess because people are just shoving them in her face and she has mm-hmm. to say, no, thank you. Um, she once took acid and the trip convinced her she should stay clear of drugs. Wow. I once, tr- I once tried half an acid, and I decided never again. I'm such an introverted character. It really takes a lot for me to be extroverted. Um, so there you have it. Not big on drugs. Mm-hmm. Which is strange, because like you could take a look at all the costumes and all the different influences she does, and it's like, it's fucking far out. So mm-hmm. I, I feel like her brain just kind of lives in that zone. <laughs> her with, brain is drugs. So yeah, it doesn't it doesn't need that fuel. It, like it creates it on its own. Mm-hmm. And she's like a self sustaining system. <laughs> All right. And I guess in the end, so, hmm? please. Speaking of uh, Bjork and Iceland, uh, in the last episode, I remember you talking about how many people probably speak, and you said something like three million. I uh, I was listening to that episode again and I was like, oh, I wonder how many, what the population of Iceland is. It's only something like 300,000. What? Dude. Mm-hmm. That's, that's like the population of the big island of Hawaii. Wow. Yeah. And a lot less so, tropical. Yeah. 300,000 people in Iceland. That's not a lot. I wonder what it takes to go platinum there. Like, if you sell 12 albums. <laughs> no. Well, I don't know. Maybe. Um, my computer stopped running sound, so I'm going to attempt to finish it up using my phone. Yeah. All right. So at last, last count in 2015, it was, uh, where was, where is that? 329,100 was the, uh, estimated population of Iceland. And wow. I think, I think their birth rate is, like, under two, and, like, two children per woman is basically, like, the replacement birth rate. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, two parents, two kids, and then parents eventually go off and croak, and then the two kids take that spot. Mm-hmm. Um, so their birth rate is such that their population is even getting smaller, which most of Northern Europe is experiencing. Like, their their age pyramid is starting to get straightened out, you know? And maybe even shrinking. A, downward, shrinking. a downward spiral, if you will. This is what shrinking looks like? Yeah, this is what shrinking looks like. Because, I mean, if you have an age pyramid like this, you have hella young people. Mm. If you have it like this, you have... It's shrinking. It's shrinking. All right. Where are we on this album? <laughs> I believe I do not want this. Yeah. Just play it anyway. I don't care if you want it or not. We have to get this done. Well, you know how this world can beat you down. 
lot of a lot of the same. You know, it starts with a nice melodic thing, and then it goes. I love when you when you get the close up and like. I like that character of friend. But then all of a sudden, like it's just like, oh, I don't want this. I don't know. And then he's like, lose fucking mind. Like it just sprung from his head like Athena, and then and then yeah, like emo metal became became a thing. Yeah, I don't think Lincoln Park was a pioneer of that. Well, no, but speaking of Lincoln Park, mm-hmm. oh yeah, well, we recently sang karaoke at at the local karaoke watering hole. And what song did you pick? In the end. In the end. In the end, by Lincoln Park. They didn't have monitors, so I couldn't even tell if I was singing it properly or at all. I could hear you. I mean, do you ever like see those YouTube videos of people with voice scramblers, where like they they can't hear their own voice, or like their voice comes back like chopped up? Mm-hmm. It, it's like yeah, you can't even like read the words on the screen anymore if you don't know what you've already said. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it really really cool. Really but I mean, in the end, it doesn't really matter. Really matter. I did the Chester Bennington uh, part. Yep, I did the... It didn't even have his lyrics up on the screen. Like, it just, like, assumed that the person doing the song would only be... What is it? Mike Shinoda? Yeah, Mike Shinoda. So I was just like, it starts with one... Well, and then just like... don't know why. It doesn't even matter how hard And people were like... Them. Okay. People were really into it at first. Yeah, people were like, oh, yes. And then did I... Did I break them of that enthusiasm? No. Okay. I think second verse, everyone was just kind of like, maybe I don't remember how this song goes. <laughs> and then they just went back to drinking and talking and doing what they were doing. I think you just wore out your welcome. You're right. They were just like, ugh. I think, I think everyone wanted, they, they were excited to hear the first 30 seconds of that yeah. song. But it's not a 30 second song, it turns out. It turns out it's not. I should have just segwayed into crawling in my skin. Like if you do, honestly, that's that's kind of my relationship with every Linkin Park song. Is like the first verse and chorus is just like, oh, yeah. I mean, it gets you right in the in the middle school feels. Um, but then eventually the song just keeps going, and you're like, oh, <laughs> you're you're ready for the next hit. It's, it's almost like crack. It's like emotional crack. Just like vague rage against everything and everyone. Oh, this it's is a good um, part of the song. It's like the mid 2000s sort of new metal medley that hits that first chorus of all those classes, so you never have to bother with the rest of it. Yes, <laughs> unless there's a good, like, riff. Or you just make a song that's entirely choruses, like, Let the bodies hit the floor, let the bodies hit the floor. That's the entire song, right? All right, how are we doing? Oh, I thought it's getting into the part that I like the best in this song. Everyone here. He wants to do something that matters. 
this is really layered. I like it a lot. And yeah, a lot of this guitar tracks are really buried in the mix. Like you have to turn it up and listen to it on a really good sound system. Yeah. Oh, this is him singing into a fan again. Yeah. Which I mean is pretty industrial. Singing into a fan. Isn't it fun? Right? And it's one of those things that you feel you get to feel like you discovered it. Like you're the first ten-year-old who ever yelled into a fan. Yeah. I know. I wanted to. I wanted to bring a fan in into the studio. Oh yeah, we should. Into Le Petit There's a band just over my shoulder here that, as soon as we're done, I'm going to be singing into. <laughs> Perfect. Let's uh, dive back into Big Man with a Gun, shall we? With the light. Put that baby in a blender. For shooting, this one's, this one's for, for fun. fun. That's kind of how I feel about that song. I oh, have yeah. to shoot all over you. It's just raw, unbridled machismo. It's adorable. And it's a nice uh, 1 minute and 38 seconds, so it's over. Gareth, do you have anything? Um, only that I would like to hear an impression. Um, uh, I think John Wayne would be a... Uh, uh, a suitable candidate for this song. Well, I'm a big man. We're gone. I don't really. I don't, I don't I would have to. Wayne. I would have to study. I would have to do a little bit of study. All right. Tune in next it's, week, and we'll. Uh, there's some moseying. We'll have some big men with some guns. Terrific. Or wait, what if we did um, Hans Gruber? I could do another Alan Rickman. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> I am a big man with a gun. <laughs> All right, 
Nope. Moving right along. Moving right along to a warm place, which is an instrumental. Say a big man with a gun. I'm gonna say takes home the gold for most Freudian Nine Inch Nails song. Mm-hmm. All right. Trent Reznor has been accused of ripping off the theme of A Warm Place from David Bowie's 1980s single, Crystal Japan. He did state that Bowie's album Low had the biggest influence on making the downward spiral, though Low does not contain Crystal Japan. Hmm. Some have claimed that what is heard is deceiving, that from a musical theory point of view, there exist significant differences between the structures of the two melodies. What I like about it, when it, when it gets into full swing here, may I? It sounds, it sounds more than a little bit like the soundtrack of Twin Peaks. Right? My, my but less weird. Sounds very kind of Chris Rocky. Um, like, I thought it kind of had some similarities. I know, like, they come quite a way out of Explosions in the Sky. Yeah. Oh, um, I, I don't think it'd be out of place on, like, the Explosions in the Sky album. Mm-hmm. Um, I, really like that. I, I like that we've got, yeah, we're in, uh, the juxtaposition between Big Man with a Gun before this is really like hard and fast and gets in and out in you know, no time flat and then we got this nice sort of slow melodic yeah. post-rock song it's, yeah, it's nice and if we're going to take the Freudian metaphor to its logical end point if you're a big man with a gun all you're really looking for is a warm place yeah, that was off. The, that was off the. That was just. That was just off the top of my dome. Just a little off the cuff, you know, whatever. Oh, apparently this was also in the Natural Born Killers soundtrack. Yeah, it's, I like it. It's like it's a feeling of sort of like, I don't know. It's comforting, but it also has this sort of dark, dramatic side to it. Like I said, it's got the Twin Peaks, like you know, the theme for Twin Peaks when it's like. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's different, but it's definitely. I'm just looking at the uh, Natural Born Killer soundtrack list now, because Burn, which... Burn! Yep. Sex is Violent, which Trent Reznor... It, I guess Trent Reznor did with um, Jane's Addiction. And... Something Fourth I Can Never Have. Large. Well, we're not talking about that. <laughs> something I Can Never Have is on there. Blast from the past and a warm place, cool. And Fork Boy by Lard. Hmm. Yes. Interesting. Plus lots of other stuff. Yeah, this is sort of like um, and all that, or not and all it should have been the other one. We're in this together now, or whichever is that. From the fragile. That one. Um. What's it called? What's it called? What's it called? What's it called? And then eventually they grabbed that. That, re- that really emotional song and then just stuck it in like slow motion sequences of Spartans chopping up 3D Persians. Yeah, it was in the, it, was, it became the trailer of 300. And that actually, really? it actually got me excited for 300 and then I realized what like a racist, xenophobic, like pro-war movie that was. Um, I think you're thinking of The Frail from The Fragile. Uh, bam, 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 bam. 
You're just saying. I'm sorry. Okay. None uh, of we'll, that red we'll find out what which which is the thing. We'll get I'm to that of. in a few in a few weeks. Yeah, I don't know. Um, warm place. A warm place, which is over. It's a short song. So then we come into Eraser. Yeah, a warm place is sandwiched between like the two darkest, most intense songs on this album. I feel like. Yeah. Eraser is heavy. It gets there. It starts out really subtle, though, which is something I really like about it. And yet, all I can do is, when I hear the song Eraser, the title, I just think of the pink, the pink pearl. Because <laughs> when... <laughs> the song starts out so quiet that I don't think... Is it playing? There it is. Mm. Lots of weird sounds. Claire speaks Trent's language. Yeah, I want to know. I mean, it just says, like, when it, it kicks in, it just says, need you, dream you, find you, taste you, fuck you, use you, scar you, break you. And then as it, like, picks up, he says, lose me, hate me, smash me, erase me, and then he says, kill me a bunch of times. A whole bunch of times. Um, what's Claire it? speaks Trent. A little, a little tidbit I picked up, I think, from NinWiki or some other source. Um, is that originally there were going to be two more tracks on Downward Spiral, and one of them was called Just Do It, which sounds really gung-ho, Nike, you know, proactive uh, motivational speech. But what it's actually about is it's basically just telling the protagonist of this album to go ahead and kill himself. Yeah. And um, then, like, I guess Trent's longtime collaborator, Flood, was like, I don't know how I feel about just telling people to murder themselves. <laughs> So it didn't didn't make it on the album. I don't think it was even released. Ever. No, I. We should I, we should I've go on a we should go on a hunt. Go down a little rabbit hole and figure it out. Yeah, or we could just call Trent. Let's just call Trent. Let's just get Trent on the he's, horn. He's not busy. Yeah. Nah, I'm, he's, I'm sure he's busy. I'm David, sure. David Fincher is making another movie, so Trent Reznor. Is, I sort of like how David Fincher and Trent Reznor sort of became like this this super group, like <laughs> like the Danny Elfman to the Tim Burton. Or the guy to Christopher Nolan. Do you know what I'm talking about? The guy to Christopher Nolan. Yeah, you know, the guy. Inception. I didn't like Inception. Yeah, neither did I. Yeah. Because, like, if you're going to do a movie about dreams, like, who just dreams about, like, shooting people on skis? Like, that's, that's not a dream I've had. You know, who dreams about, like, zero-G punch-outs in a hotel? Like, no, I, I have dreams about, like, I mean, you know, your teeth falling out, your legs turn to jelly. But also just, like, you know, really weird, like, you know, distorted recollections of, of your day. Yeah. You know? And, like, yeah, things are, like, melting and physics don't really work. As opposed to, like, just beating dudes up and going after a secret vault. And then your dad is like, I'm not disappointed in you. And then it's like, oh my god. I spaced out a lot during that movie. I think I just I think I watched the movie just kinda like snot. 
a lot of Christopher Nolan movies kind of seem like, I mean, the the hype that surrounds them, like they just want to force you into believing this is a good movie. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, oh, yeah, all right. Here's the. Here we go. No, that's a zippo lighter. Tell me a lot. Yeah, the first time I heard this, it was um, like I was hanging out with a friend of mine. We were actually like driving on uh, Highway 17, which is over in Santa Cruz, and um, it has a lot of what's called like dead man's turns because it's like this, it's this, oh, yeah, it's yeah. this long winding mountain road. Um, and yeah, like a lot of it, like a couple times a year, a motorcyclist will go over the edge into into oblivion. Yeah. Um, so I was I was cruising with my friend, and he was like legitimately a depressive guy, and had like sort of a suicidal streak to him. Um, and he put on this album, put on this song, and then we got to the part where he's screaming "Kill me" over and over and over again. And that was the point where I was like, I'm just so glad you are not driving the fucking car. <laughs> <laughs> like, that could have been bad. Yeah, uh, I was behind the wheel that day, and uh, I think it went well. Oh, where are we at? Oh, whoa, she found Just Do It. Yeah, I did. Oh, my God. Right. Oh, my God. So, yep, let me just cue that up real quick. Okay, guess what I found? What'd you find? I found a little ditty uh, on the Internet called Just Do It by Nine Inch Nails. So this is the track we can make it. We got Rick we got rolled. Shia LaBeouf. Yeah, we yeah. were Rick. We were Rick rolled. Well, we got we got LaBeouf rolled. That's. I mean, that was well done. Like only a Nine Inch Nails completionist would try to find that song. So that it's, <laughs> and then we just got expert. Like that was a precision troll. Uh, Amazing. Bravo. That's so good. I'm so happy that that just happened. <laughs> All, right. All right, well. Moving right along. Coming into uh, Reptile, is that right? Yes. All right. So, what you're saying is you have the, um, the blood of reptiles uh, underneath your skin. What is that? It's <laughs> Dr. Ian Malcolm. It was, I thought so, but I was just like, I don't accept that. Yeah. Okay. No, it was fine. Another one that starts off. Well, we've talked about reptile. I don't yeah, think there's was, a lot of. We covered it in the last app. Like, what are Garrett's feelings on reptile? Um. Well, I like how he actually uses a little bit more colorful metaphor than usual because he talks about, like, he actually uses imagery like insects and honey, and that that doesn't show up everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of times, he, he kind of uses more vague language. This is like how's the precision of a poem. And then his use of the camera shot is like my favorite. Like, yeah, I really like that. Do 
Um, I like how it actually is like the guitar, like just it follows that same beat for minutes and minutes. It's almost like it puts you in a trance. It's almost hypnotic. Yeah, there's nothing about what that sound is. Oh, quick note. We're going to start introducing ourselves differently. Oh, yeah, we were going to do that turn it up, turn it up a little bit. Carrot, you can be our precious whore. Hailing in from Salisbury. Salisbury. Is our precious whore. <laughs> Jibu. Alright. Yeah, I think we've covered. Yeah, let's let's power through this. We've got a couple big songs yet to do. We have the downward spiral, which is another starts off quiet. Pointedly killing himself. Wow. 
Which is funny because it has like sort of this nostalgic yeah. kind of like kind of playing your heartstrings there. A lifetime of fucking things up fixed in one determined flash. So much blood for a tiny little hole. I think I've seen that line in particular scrawled on a lot of uh, notebooks of uh, angsty middle schoolers. Jumping from the ropes, like what? What kind of move was this? No, it was kind of like um, kind of grabbing around the neck and like the back of the. I see. Okay, because he gets you in like a, a blood choke around the neck. Yeah. Like, yeah. There you go. The downward spiral. Yeah, that was Edge. His name was Edge. Edge yeah, Finisher. The not, Edge. Not Edge of uh, YouTube. Fedge. Not not Edge. Not Edge. So that's going on the blog later. Oh, we're watching the we're downward watching spiral in at. Ooh! Oh, there it is, the downward spiral. And then he puts him in one of those leg hold things that I guess is really painful and has to stop the match. I don't. I don't. I don't. Wrestling. He's the winner, winner. Edge. Winner, Edge. All right, so. We're down to the last song. We're down to the last song. We have decided that we will do the extended version of this album so that we'll talk about Burn and the other one. Dark, Dead, Dead Souls. Dead Souls. We Which were both talk. featured in soundtracks of fantastic movies that, yeah. that we'll have to watch and get a better picture of what's going on here. I would love to watch those movies. So yeah, come back next week and we'll, uh, we'll discuss... We'll you discuss know, more all about of them, but just so those of you who are watching this, slash listening to this, aren't on the edge of your seat waiting to hear us talk about Burn and Dead Souls, we will. It'll happen. So let's barrel through the last song. One that I do not particularly enjoy listening to anymore. It's um, so good, though. It sums everything up. It's a good song, yes, but I'm just... You Thank know. you. You know, I just... I don't Did we get around to discussing... Claire, earlier you said there's a track on the album that you just really aren't into. Is, this, is it hurt? Or was it's it hurt, it was yeah. Track? And... Does it have that long of a lead-in? Maybe. Yeah. Oh, we actually... Song. We heard someone singing this at karaoke last night. But it was... It was the Johnny Cash version. The Johnny Cash version. The night before last. If this is your first time ever hearing the song Hurt, stop. 
turn off this podcast, go listen to it on your own. Because we're just going to talk over it and ruin your experience. Music video. So the quote is 
I pop in the video and wow. Tears welling, silence, goosebumps, wow. It felt like I just lost my girlfriend because the song just wasn't mine anymore. It really made me think about how powerful music is as a medium and art form. Honestly, I, I love trying to I would say I prefer it. Um, yeah. Like, what Cash brings to the table is he has, like, a much bolder voice. And, like, the, I mean, the music video that Cash released with it is also very sad because, like, he has a... When he says, everyone you know goes away in the end, there's a photo of his wife who had passed. And he's just like, oh, man. Um, so it's like, there's... It's it's a bigger bummer, I feel like, listening to Cash's version. I've honestly never watched the video for Johnny Cash's version. I relate a lot more to Trent's version, which is just sort of like, you know, my life is a pile of shit, and I need to do something to make it not so shitty anymore. <laughs> um, although for me, that, that has never strayed too far into thoughts of suicide. I mean, you know, the regular level of suicidal thoughts that I feel like most of us have. Yeah. Definitely. Oh, yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I, I guess, like... I associate Johnny Cash a lot with my grandpa, like my mom's dad is dead. Um, and I think that the Hurt version just like, or his version of Hurt just like bums me out a ton thinking about how I associate Johnny Cash a lot with him. So I just kind of stay clear of it altogether. But yeah, like, when when Cash brings that little warble to, If I could start again. Oh, God. Like, yeah, it's, it, it, it's a different angle, you know, because mm -hmm. Trent is talking about a guy who's like, life was a non-starter, and then Cash is sort of like looking back, and he's like, wow, I was kind of a piece of shit for a lot of my life, and I wish I spent more time with, you know, making joyful experiences with the people I loved. Yeah. You know? Because, yeah, Johnny Cash is kind of a piece of shit, right? Yeah. Like, he was a privileged white guy who had everything going for him. And then, I guess, because he got hooked on pills, his life was real hard, and his dad was mean to him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, what I've just said is anathema to anyone who comes from the South. <laughs> um, but, I mean, like, who gives that much of a fuck? Like, he was a wife beater and, and, mm -hmm. and an alky, and, and then he ditched his first wife for June Carter Cash. Like, come on. Like, yeah. uh, but then again, Hurt is almost a redemptive thing hearing from him because he's like, yep, I, I done fucked up. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, he passed, like, within a few years of record releasing that song. So it, was, yeah, it brings something different, mm -hmm. you know? So, I mean, I like both. What a bummer. And now that we're just thoroughly fucking depressed... And we did the downward spiral. It's done. Yep, this one's in the can. We um, managed. Somehow we managed. Really, really quickly, we could do a little compared to... Compared to Bjork? Bjork! Compared to Bjork. Um, so yeah, last time we talked about how Bjork's album debut came out with a lot of similarities to Mr. Self-Destruct and other things. Um, so uh, she was... Uh, broken. Yeah, with Broken. No. I compared it to Downward Spiral, I think. March of the Pigs is yeah. like human behavior. Oh, March of the Pigs. You said Mr. Okay. Self-Destruct, and I was like, that's not something we talked about in the past. Okay. okay. Um, and she was nominated for a couple of Grammys. Um, one of them was Best Short Form Music Videos for Human Behavior. Mm -hmm. But uh, Trent took home a Grammy in 1992 with Wish for Best Heavy Metal Performance. So, mm -hmm. um, so you know, they're both Grammy contenders, mm -hmm. so that's a thing. But as we said before, like... 
you know, they had very different experiences in terms of, like, you know, drugs. But they, they were both transplants. You know, she left Iceland to come to London and produce music. He left Cleveland to come to L.A., mm-hmm. which is the greater difference. I don't know. Um, but a, a thought I had was, you know, Trent Reznor struggled with heroin. And Bjork is a heroine. Whoa! <laughs> the similarities don't end. Also, she won um, Brit Awards in 1994. Right. For Best Newcomer and Best International Female. <laughs> but we what all decided... We all decided that she's just the best na- international female, period. Right. Like it, yeah. She's just the best international female. Mm-hmm. Like, even outside of her career in music, she's just the best international female. She's just the best. All right, so that just about sums it up. However, uh, it, it uh, appears as though our pal here has a... How, how much, much angst? Okay, so it's a British-themed one. Uh, how as much angst as Gordon Ramsay running out of insults? <laughs> <laughs> what are you? An idiot sandwich. Um, pretty good. Pretty yeah, good. I yeah. feel like Gordon Ramsay has a lot, just a lot of rage for a guy who lives in like in a socialist utopia. Yeah, <laughs> he needs to get his shit together. Oh, socialist utopia. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, We've, uh, the government here has just uh, decided to take thirty pounds a week off all our disabled people. What? Oh. Hmm? Well, I mean, they should pay more. That's crazy. <laughs> um, right. You're disabled. You should definitely pay. Oh. That's, yeah. yeah you, don't, you don't need that 30 pounds extra a week. Oh. <laughs> that's, that's stupid. I mean, yeah, like, that's the same kind of stuff we're dealing with pretty much every election is like, why do we take care of people? Why don't they just mm-hmm. take care of themselves? Wouldn't right? that be easier? Meanwhile, let's bail out the banks and launch ex- very expensive bombs at countries you've never heard of. Because yeah. those, those are our priorities. Um, so now that we've got all our pigs lined up, uh, let's just take care of some quick business. Um, we've joined the Benview Network. <laughs> which is a, uh, an independent podcast uh, collective of a bunch of different podcasters. And uh, yeah, we're delighted to be part of their ensemble. Yeah, they are located here in Long Beach, California, mm. and uh, they got some pretty cool shows, most of which I have not checked out, but I will. Pick Your Path is one of my personal favorites, because it's, it? it's an interactive podcast. It's like oh, a, yeah. It's a choose-your-own-adventure. Yeah. So you can actually, like, jump to different chapters. That's so cool. Yeah, it's pretty fun. Yeah, um, so that's really exciting. Yeah, yeah. you gotta, you got to at least try their first episode, which is called Don't Blow Up the Universe, mm-hmm. um, which is written by our good friend uh, Matt Benson. Mm-hmm. And um, there is at least one ending where you can be eaten by a dinosaur. Uh, I, wow. I, I have not found that ending yet. Um, I've, pl- I've played through twice, but I have not found that ending. That's um, so fun. I love it. And, uh, yeah, so that, the biggest difference for us is all of our... Uh, episodes will no longer be on SoundCloud. Yep, so we're going to be doing a switcheroo, but it shouldn't affect anything on iTunes, so don't worry about that. And yeah, check us out, BenviewNetwork.com. And uh, tweet us at, at TrentTalkPod on Twitter. Yeah, come to Facebook, Facebook slash TrentTalkPod. Email us, TrentTalkPod at gmail.com. 
If you still make a boo-boo and go to TrentTalkPod.com, you'll just be redirected, so... Well, I think that just wraps things up in a pretty little package. Oh, my. So, all right, everybody. Go on. See you next week. Come back for more analysis of Downward Spiral and Hurt and Natural Born Killers and The The Crow. Crow. Oh, The Crow. And probably uh, talking about video games. Hopefully. Because we can't avoid it, ever. Gareth, you got any parting words? Anything to plug? Mm, Having me. It's been a real pleasure, guys. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at, at Garth Green, so G-A-R-T-H underscore Green. Um, and you can look at my baking business on Facebook, which is Baking So Duh. Baking So Duh. Yeah. It's, it's a great play on words. And we, I love it. We love it so much. And we'll have links to those in our little blog. Yeah, thanks for joining Thank us, Gareth. Thank I, I look forward to when we can set this up again. Yay. Yeah, definitely. I'm going to roll into bed now because it's 1 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Terrific. thanks for hanging with us. Dedicated fan to the end. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we'll catch you later, guys. Nine Inch nailed it. Nine Inch nailed it.